This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to episode 22 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Liam O'Connor from Tasman Rope Access. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, Brendan. How are you? I'm well. So thanks for coming on the show this morning. Tell me a little bit about what Tasman Rope Access does. Oh, Tasman, we've been around since oh, we've been in early 2015 um, when we all sort of jumped on board with the original company, Tasman Power. The board directors came together and identified a niche in the market for rope access. So the best way I can put it for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what it is, when you, when you walk down the street and you see guys abseiling down the side of buildings, clean the windows, uh, that's what we do effectively, uh, but we basically stick tradesmen and women onto the ropes uh, across oil and gas, mining, agriculture, defence, uh, civil construction, a whole range of industries. So never a quiet day, as you can imagine. So presumably, like in some of those, like oil and gas, what sort of work would they be doing when they're on a rope? Is it like oh. attending to, to, I don't know, uh, machinery or... Oh, it all depends on a, on a specific work order. A lot of the time it's wrapping pylons and a lot of blasting and painting and, uh, you know, protective coating application, that side of things. So, um, yeah, basically wherever scaffold or proofs are required, we can we can stick people on ropes down there and, uh, and you know, away we go. So when it comes to uh, just the one or two services, it, it's it's very varied. So we, we tend to have quite a few uh, quite a few different services done under the same work order. Yep. And then so how many people would you employ in the rope access business? Oh, mate, I think there's, uh, there's about 450 members that are accredited to ARADA worldwide. Um, on our books, we checked the other day, just over 410, and then any one time we've got over 250 technicians out across Australia. So, yeah, it's nice and busy. We just, we just can't keep up with the work at the moment, unfortunately. But So I've, I've come across ARADA a little bit before. What's the difference between ARADA training and, say, you're working at Heights Ticket? Good question. Do you, uh, do you, do you, do you need both, or is... is well, Funnily enough, we do. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the, the errata training courses are split into different levels. So when you first come into the industry, you do a level one. Um, that's a five-day course with a half-day assessment at the end of it. Uh, it teaches you a whole bunch of passing knots and the, the foundations, really, of rope access. Then you get given what's called a logbook, you get given the card, and then um, all the way through your career, you, you basically get hours signed off and the type of work by your level three, who's the, basically the rope access safety coordinator for that area. So once you do uh, a thousand hours logged, uh, and then you pass a year, you're eligible to sit. Your level two is a little bit more in intensive, um, and then from there it's another thousand hours, and then you can basically become a level three. But we do find a lot of, especially the long, younger guys and girls, they don't tend to go for the level three um, straight away, simply because it's they're they're off the rope. They set the area up, and they you know they're officially known as pole polishers in the industry. They lean on a pole and make sure everyone's all right, and uh, they do, yeah, just they basically perform rescues uh, as and when required. Um, so that. It's the uh, yeah a nice uh, a nice uh, specialised gig for them. So so people getting in the industry, it sounds like that they genuinely love being on the ropes, so to speak. And whereas level three is more like a manager or a supervisor or something like that. It is yeah we've uh, <laughs> it's it's a very special type of person attracted the rope access industry with a height alone. You know, we've, uh, we've got guys in their spare time, they've, they've, you know, they go skydiving, they've got a couple of Red Bull-sponsored guys as well, and uh, I just got emails the other day from, uh, from a group of guys that are on their break and they're down in Antarctica climbing, you know, climbing glaciers, so it's a definitely <laughs> adrenaline junkie sort of uh, industry, that's for sure. It's a, it's a lifestyle. 
It is. It's, it's very much a lifestyle, and these guys live, breathe, and eat it, mate. So it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And so, how do you play into all of this, Liam? Are you have you gone through that errata training yourself? And like, how yes, do you get to what you what in the role you are now, and what do you do? Basically, I, I fell into it <laughs> like most people. Um, I was completely oblivious to this whole industry. It was very underground at that point in time. Um, now it's, it's sort of become more mainstream, especially with mining, in particular, picking up the uh, the rope access side of things. But uh, basically, I was uh, I was made redundant from my previous role. I was working for a national engineering company, and like everyone else that goes through redundancy, you go through that full range of emotions. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, we, we, we basically come to reassess everything, apply for a job um, with a company called Tasman. I got pulled in for an interview and yeah, basically they said, look, we've got this, this HSE manager role. Well, would you be interested? And we've got this little side project going on at the moment called Tasman Rope Access. You know, I've got a brand new general manager who's uh, been relocated from the East Coast to help build it. Um, and then basically us two got like, gone on like a house on fire after a year and other operations manager jumped on board. Um, and the three of us, uh, pretty much since uh, early 2016, have just been building the Tasman Rope Access side. Um, and on top of that, we obviously look after Tasman Power, uh, the electrical side of, of the business as well. It's about 150 to 180 sparkies out in the field at any one time. Um, and then the board of directors, which actually own the company, based in South Australia, have taken a step up to the group role with them. So working across all their South Australian, New South Wales and Queensland subsidiaries as well. So it's uh, yeah, very uh, very full on as you can imagine, especially with the time difference between WA and the rest of the states, uh, especially in the summer months. And so is the is the bulk of the work for Tasman Rope Access in WA, or is it uh, national? With the, it is national. We'll say about sixty percent of the work is um, is across West Australia, about ten to fifteen in South Australia, and the remainder over in our Queensland office as well. So we've uh, just branched into Mount Isa and Weeper and a couple other places around there. So. So why do, why do you think that, I mean, the company's pretty young. I know you've got Tasman mm. Power, but why do you think there was such a gap in the market? I mean, presumably all these companies, all these industries needed these services. What, what, what was happening before? The main, yeah, the, the, the main issues we were having previously is people look at someone dangling off a rope and they automatically go, no, <laughs> you know, just, yeah. that, is, that is not coming onto my site. And it's yeah. more about the educational piece, you know, with the, uh, anyone who's in, interested in Australian standards, there is a rope access standard, but it hasn't been updated for the best of, you know, best of two and a half decades. And the same goes for the working at height. So it's a, it's a self-regulated industry um, with the accreditation to errata on top of that. Um, and then as they realise the potential, you know, reductions in dropped objects and scaffolding risks, I know that poor boy over in Sydney the other week, um, you know, prime example, it's so self-regulated and the level three influence out on the field as well. Um, the, the client see the safety side of things as a positive after a little education session on what rope access is and then on top of that you know we're able to access pretty much any area without the need for scaffold so you save all the money on the scaffolding costs on the additional tradesmen the time loss between you know changing permits and mm. changing up the equipment so yeah it's, it's 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 a safer option and on top of that it's a more you know a quicker and more time effective option as well yeah right i get it now so it's a real it's a real win-win for everyone it is yes yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. And then, so go back a little bit for me. How did you how did you start your career in health and safety? Oh, mate, <laughs> first uh, <laughs> first I uh, got my gig with Rio Tinto as a graduate. Um, it was a three yep. month position. Um, then it turned into six, and then at the end of six, I jumped over to BHP. So you know, I started in the mining game and pretty much. Uh, 
been I've been involved ever since. Uh, moved over to where I was on next Mount Gibson Mining, so I was across Towering Peak, um, Extension Hill, and then there was another one, Coolin Island, before the uh, all the all the fun went down there with the, with the actual thing collapsing. Uh, moved on to Sodexo up in Karatha um, from there, and then moved into that that national role with the engineering company. Um, that was ooh, 2012, I believe, and then been with here since 2015, and yeah, just fun and games ever since. Yeah, wow. So you've learnt. Have you did have you sort of done? You said you were a graduate of Rio. Did you did you have tertiary qualifications or? Yeah, I'm one of those um, one of those weird guys that likes to study a little bit about everything. So I've done the grad cert in OHS through Edith Cowan um, over yep. here and proved how to cert four, but. It's uh, my main uh, my main background with the with the qualifications is pretty much all legal because simply I you know back in twenty twenty well twenty ten almost I think it was um, I could sort of see the the whole market was sort of shifting towards a national harmonisation um, and mm. obviously with, with that comes a whole bunch of legal compliance and and all the you know the corporate governance that goes on top of it as well so. Started studying law, um, international business law, business commerce, um, you know, a lot of commercial stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely definitely come in handy, especially as the career's sort of grown and the work health safety sort of figures itself out over the next couple of decades as well. Yep. And so, what do you see um, when we were speaking before? You was mm-hmm. you mentioned mental health. Mm-hmm. How does that sort of play into you know what you're doing now? Is it is it an issue for people uh, working on, I don't know, sides of buildings and that sort of thing, or are they generally pretty up, up because they've they got adrenaline pumping and it's an exciting job? It's it's more the remoteness. Um, right, right, got it. There's, I could go into a whole rant, Brendan, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I won't. I'll, say, I'll, I'll save your listeners. But basically the way it works is, you know, the guys and girls work away. They're away from the family. They're away from their support network. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, you've got a whole range of emotions going on because the hormones are just all over the joint between disjointed sleep, between transitioning from days to nights and then back again half the time and then 12-hour shifts and travelling to and from site and sometimes the food's not too fantastic and the gym routine mm. gets thrown out. And on top of that, you're expected to Skype the wife, the husband, the kids um, and keep some form of sanity uh, whilst you're wow. out there. It's, it's for us. You know the the main thing that we we really focus on with our crews is that if anything personal comes up that you need to go sort out. Don't mm. we don't need to know the specifics, but just know that you can you can ask to be flown out at any time. Um, oh, that's you know, that's, the, ama- that's amazing. I mean that that's uh, I wouldn't imagine that many companies would take that approach. Oh, we we have to um, simply well. First of all, the whole rope access industry is one big family anyway. Um, yeah. And secondly, I much prefer someone being able to have the ability to you know leave site and go sort the issues out than potentially the complete opposite and most horrendous thing happening, which um, you know it does happen across the mining and gas industries a fair bit. It just doesn't really get too too much exposure to be honest. But mm. for us, it's mm. um, you know when we've got all the basic stuff in the background of the healthy eating and engagement and you know the real community sense um, and the recognition programs. Uh, on top of that, we've also got the professional de- development that goes on internally, uh, where we've yep. sort of taken people aside and said, "Look, this is your PD program that we, we envision you for the next three to five years." We do have a, traditionally do have a, a younger workforce on average, um, so the moment we find out, you know, what they're all about, what they want to do with their career, we can sort of come in and say, "Look, listen, this is, you know, this, this isn't just a, a shut game. You're not just looking for this ten days work, and then you're going away, and then coming back for another three. We've actually we want to bring you on board for the next three to five years and really start to develop you as a person." And in your career as well. So, the like for I guess younger people listening to the show is it mm. uh, like is it paid well to be? I guess it depends on what level you are in some ways, but 
It is. Um, level threes obviously um, get paid the most because the way that it works that you can't actually have a, a work area set up without a level three. Uh, yep. Level ones and twos to the amount, you'd be looking at about four weeks worth of courses. Um, I'm not too sure the, the rates from other companies, but it's, yeah. it's very well paid. It's definitely, you know, definitely more than Mac is down the road or working a bar job, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's, I, I guess, what you're saying is, with all the tr- with the four weeks of training, mm. can anyone pick it up, or do you have to have a special skill set to, I don't know, to do this type of work? The the entry in, into the industry is the rigging and dogging, um, but we do have a lot of uh, the majority of our workforce are trade qualified, mainly boilies, you know, welders, a few fitters, electricians. So as long as someone's pretty savvy with how to use a hand tool, um, you know, a company can take them under their wing and, and teach them what they need to get you know, get done out in the field. Yeah, right, because it's, yeah, it's not just being on the ropes, it's actually being up to, to do stuff while you're on there as well. That's correct, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. And, and then, the, like, do people tend to tick, uh, stick around for quite a while? We we find we've got a good retention rate in the, 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 around about the low 90% simply because we focus so much on the culture of the company. You know, it's. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying everyone holds hands and skips off into the you know the sunset. No, of course, shift, but of, it's, course uh, not. of course not. Uh, we're uh, we're really really protective on the culture, and just because someone has a rope access ticket doesn't just mean they're coming straight onto our books either. We we order everyone against our values as a company, and you know it's where they're going to fit in with the crews, ourselves, and that's where that social impact program that we're running currently as well. You know, our values align with different um, different contractors out in out in society, and we're happy to uh, to fill gaps and use the you know use the company as an instrument for positive change. Yeah, and so how do you how do you grow it from here? Is it is it a challenge getting enough staff, like yeah. qualified staff? We're doing a lot of trade expos at the moment, just raising the, the awareness. We're going to schools, we're going to trade colleges. You know, word of mouth, um, the website and social media in particular has been massive in the, in getting that uh, getting that positive awareness about the industry and you know the, the need for people into it as well. You know, there's there's not many that um, not many technicians in Australia that, that are qualified for the rope access at this point in time, and definitely not enough to keep up with the works that's going around. Um, yeah. So for us, we're really starting to think outside of the box of where we're trying to source quality candidates from. So we've we jumped in with the Wirrapunda Foundation. So there's a, you know a whole bunch of Aboriginal, uh, Torres Strait Islanders, and Indigenous candidates coming through, which we're taking in and training up. And yep. that's been a really successful program for us. Uh, another one, um, we're currently working with uh, Defence Force Transition Program, um, pulling yep. in a whole bunch of qualified ADF veterans, which is for me is. Uh, it's a phenomenal program which we're very, very proud of. Um, so, so just tell me a little really bit well about how that would work. So, it's what ex-army or ex-military that are looking yeah. for the next step in their their career, or yeah, that's that's right. So, basically, we go through an organisation called With You With Me. Um, they've got a database full of, of veterans. We say to With You With Me, look, listen, we've got this position. These are the qualifications that you need, or this is the training. Uh, go find go find people on our behalf, and they basically act as a HR consultancy agency. They send us all the resumes in return. We hold what we call assessment days. We run them through. This is rope access. You know, we do have a lot of people come in. They go, "Yep, this is amazing," and then they realise that it's quite a high height that they have to work from. <laughs> and they suddenly they do they they suddenly realise they're scared of heights. Yeah. Uh, not for them. So we basically run through everything that's rope access, answer any questions, put their mind at ease, and then um, part of the with you with me is basically they receive government funding to be able to assist that uh, that veteran into new employment. So it's uh, for me it's fantastic because 
you know, from a safety point of view, I've got people out in the field that have been tried, tested and proven and trained by the best organisations in the Southern Hemisphere and, and tested in potentially what you'd, you know, it's hard to argue they'll be the worst situations uh, where they've been mm. tested. So for me, if anything goes wrong, not that we expect them to, but if anything happens out in the, out in the field, uh, medical response, crisis management, incident response, I know I've got one or two people in each and every crew on each and every shift that can potentially take over that situation on my behalf. Yeah, so it sounds to me like the the risks are um, like it's obviously not for the faint-hearted, working at heights and you know being in remote areas. But what what would you say are the sort of the key safety risks? Is it around that sort of well-being angle or? Oh, mate, everything, oh, on a, every, <laughs> everything in Australia is designed to kill you. If it's not the animals, it's the equipment. Um, yeah. We've for us, it's the with the environment in itself is is it very very hazardous as you can imagine. Obviously, remote. Mm. You're working away. Emergency service officers sometimes they can be up to half an hour away if anything does go wrong. You know, mm. um, and then to throw on the fact the mental health side of things where you, the risk doesn't stop the moment the work and the tools you know are dropped. <laughs> They're put on the floor. That's it. We're done for the shift. Um, it's, it's also that, that governance and that, that sort of oversight in the camps as well to make sure that our crews are alright. So for, um, for us, for the risks, it, it, the mental health is huge for us. Um, and on top mm. of that, obviously the dropped objects um, and any governance that's got to do with, with working a height as a whole, making sure the rope areas are set up, the rope protectors are used, that, you know, carabiners are being, they're properly locked in. Just the absolute basics, you know, and, and to say it, you know, rope access technicians as a whole, because they face that risk pretty much in the face every every second of every shift they're mm. very very open to safety they're very open to hearing different viewpoints and they'll, they'll if you talk to any rope you may they will, they will literally talk your head off all afternoon about rope access so uh, well, I, i'm also i'm also thinking fatigue management would have to be a bit of an issue as well it is yes we're actually going through a, a big overhaul internally um with the way that we we manage the fatigue uh, we've been given a whole bunch of uh, documents from our clients and we're going through making sure that everything fits up with the planning software and the, the internal management system that we have here so uh, we, we're basically going to be saying this is the maximum amount of hours that you can work over a three-month period yeah yeah because if it's fly-in fly-out work and you were saying 12-hour shifts mm -hmm. it's, how, how long would they how long would they typically go on a would they be flown in for Oh, it all depends on the shot. Sometimes, yeah, it's, you know, two, three, four week long shots. Other times, it's two or three days, and it's almost a holiday. So, it's, um, yeah, yeah right. It's definitely a range range of work, especially with the dates and the times and the locations as well. Well, it sounds like there's uh, never a dull day, Liam. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It makes the week go so much quicker. I'll be uh, I'll be a hundred by the time I blink. <laughs> be time to retire. Um, and then, so what? Where do you see sort of the the future going? I don't know, with Tasman rope access or just with the industry in, in general? Do you see anything sort of on the horizon that's of interest or oh, definitely. coming up? It's a few things with, with Tasman that's going on. Obviously, we're setting up a few more offices across Australia um, later on in the year, so that's uh, that's quite exciting. Getting involved in uh, in the new you know new areas and, and bringing the rope access uh, industry into areas which currently don't have it. Mm. Um, personally, from my own point of view, I'd love to see the social impact program. Um, basically be further cemented into the company we're able to bring more candidates through and bring more quality people into the rope access industry from a whole walk of different you know diverse streams of life mm. um, the rope access industry industry as a whole uh, it's amazing now even the innovation you, two years ago rope access was was con considered innovation now it's almost 
rope access is the, the norm, and now we are moving into you know drones and UAVs and a, and a whole bunch of different you know suspended decking services, <laughs> which yep. uh, we're going to see a lot more integration of technology into, definitely into the rope access sector and the way that things work. Oh, that's that sounds amazing. All right, well, I've got just very five very short questions for you before we wrap up. Oh, God, here um, we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how old are you? They're easy questions. So how old are you? Oh, I can answer that one. That's fine. Um, I'm, oh, hopefully, I'm still young. I'm 31. So. 31. And then, what do you like to do to keep fit? Doesn't oh. sound like you'd have too much time, Liam. You, you no, I just, I just make time, mate. Um, I'm in the gym every morning, um, box every second morning, so by the time I realise I'm getting punched repeatedly in the head, it's time to go to work. <laughs> so I'm still yeah. waking up when I'm in there. Um, yep. And then I've, I've got a, I've got a young dog as well, working lying shepherd who keeps me more than uh, more than busy at night, training him and getting all the energy out of him. Excellent, excellent. Um, how many hours sleep are you getting each night? Um, I wish I could say something that's safe, but I'm <laughs> normally about five to six, mate. Okay, doke. And um, if you could be, uh, oh, sorry, uh, what, do you have any personal achievements you're looking to to uh, do in the next twelve months? Oh, um, university studies mainly, um, and, then okay. continue, and then continue the zero harm, um, you know, metric that we've met, we've met internally since 2015. So, yeah, two uh, two big ones, but we're working towards it each day. And then finally, um, if you could be uh, remembered for one business achievement, what do you think that might be? Oh, good question. What's your, another, um, in other words, what's your um, legacy? What would you like to leave behind? I'd like the fact that I'm assisting those who potentially couldn't get into the industry to be able to come into the industry and get that crack into a you know a brand new brand new lease of life. Um, especially through that social impact program that we run, that's um, that's something which I'm, I'm quite proud of internally, you know, and the rest of us are as well. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. Now, if people want to find out a little bit more about Tasman Rope Access, what's the website? Uh, TasmanRopeAccess.com. Um, otherwise, we're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and then uh, what's the other one? LinkedIn. That's it. On <laughs> LinkedIn yeah. as well. So, no, that's excellent. Okay, Liam, thanks very much for coming on the show today. No, you're welcome. Thanks for having us, Brendan. Appreciate it.